Welcome to Energy Radio. This is episode 54, and today we uh, have two special guests uh, from each side of the pond. But before I welcome them, I will welcome my uh, co-host, Lisa Barber. Lisa, welcome to Energy Radio. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you doing today? Uh, Actually, it's better. good morning. It's not it's afternoon, good, is it's it? It's good morning when we're recording this, but that's okay. It's uh, <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere, as they say. That's right. So, well, in Rob's case, especially. Yeah. In Rob's case, especially. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's welcome uh, our guests. We have from Array Industries today. We have two guests. We have uh, Rob Ernst, who's their CEO, and we have uh, Dan, who uh, Dan's going to explain to us what he does there in a minute. But uh, gentlemen, welcome to Energy Radio today. Thank you very much. Happy to be Hello here. there, guys. Hi. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump in. Rob, I'll start with you. Um, been with Array a long time. Kind of give us your story of, of how do you come uh, to the Energy Radio podcast today? What's your story with Array? Um, the floor is yours, and then Dan will come to you next. Yeah, okay. Thank you very much. Well, uh, about Array, uh, I founded Array 31 years ago. If you pronounce Array in the English way, you are saying my initials. You have my initials. Uh, AA in Dutch. Uh, I started as a mechanical engineering company and moved towards CHP in the mid-90s. And our added value to the, that was 3D, 3D engineering. We started 3D engineering in 1994, being an early adapter at that time. And uh, big utility companies uh, and subs of engine manufacturers, uh, such as Genbacher, Caterpillar and MWM, uh, discovered the added value of 3D engineering uh, and became our clients. Uh, in the early 20s, I acquired a chimney building company and uh, started in manufacturing. Uh, timing was good. CHP exploded in Europe uh, and in the Netherlands as well, and we grew along with that. And in 2009, uh, the effect of financial crisis uh, brought us a dip. And from that moment, we started broadening and in order than the agricultural market, like industry and food. Uh, and we uh, completed this strategy uh, by focusing on emission control. And that's what we do right now. Okay, cool. And and where's home base for you, Rob? Where, where's it? Home where base is, is, uh, is, is the Netherlands, uh, Rotterdam area. Rotterdam area. The biggest harbor of Europe, uh, close connection to uh, the seaport. That's where we are based. Excellent. Good. Well, it's great to uh, speak to, to you and, and have you from, from over the pond. And obviously for me, when my grandparents immigrated uh, after the war from the Netherlands, and so it's uh, always good to, to hear the accent again and uh, I, I don't think we'll uh, we'll digress into the mother tongue because uh, I, I don't know too much of it. But uh, anyways, it's a pleasure to have you. And Dan, yourself, walk us through how you uh, end up at Array. I think you've had a, 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 a multiple roles, but kind of this common thread of of engines and emissions control. So uh, give us your similar story, Dan. Well, certainly. Uh, you know, I'm the uh, North American business development manager for Array Industries. And I joined Array uh, approximately three months ago. Uh, but my, I began my career uh, chiefly in the power generation market uh, about 25 years ago, working for the local Waukesha engine distributor and selling combined heat and power applications as well as distributed generation uh, solutions. Uh, most of the clients uh, that we sold those applications to were interested in reducing their electrical cost and they also needed heat uh, for some of their pro uh, industrial processes. A few years later, I joined the Cummins organization, uh, working uh, at both the distributor and factory level uh, sales, developing distributed generation 
projects that utilized either diesel uh, engine technology or lean burn gas uh, generator sets. Uh, beginning in the mid 2000s, uh, we found that emission uh, exhaust emissions or pollution started becoming an, an important uh, uh, an important part of uh, the power generation sales uh, activity and understanding the after treatment methods and the air permit limits became a requirement of the overall sales process as well as working with after treatment companies to identify the correct solution that was required. Uh, prior to joining Array, I actually worked for an SCR manufacturer here in North America uh, providing stationary pollution control uh, solutions for uh, again, uh, both diesel and natural gas uh, distributed power generation uh, projects. This experience, along with the stationary engine application and CHP experience, provides, uh, I feel, a good insight into the application requirements uh, for the balance of plant solutions that Array uh, Industries provides to their clients. Cool. Wow, that's very, uh, very, uh, very good, Dan. You've got a lot, a uh, lot in that background for sure. Um, maybe, uh, we should, we can shift this over just to kind of understanding who Array is and Rob, maybe that'd be a great kind of thing for you to talk about, you know, what, what do you guys do and what industries and geographies do you guys serve? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as I said uh, earlier, we are in emission control. Uh, we identify four areas of interest in that, uh, that is pollution control, noise control, odor control, and heat recovery. And not to forget the combination of these areas representing balance of plant. Uh, we have developed a broad portfolio of products to serve clients in Europe, including the eastern countries up until Russia, and we uh, serve North America. And and in terms of sectors, do you like? Is it mining, construction, uh, uh, stationary? Uh, what what? Uh, uh, it's uh, stationary uh, uh, engines, uh, and okay. we serve uh, uh, the biggest uh, area is the agricultural area. Uh, followed by uh, food and industry, and okay. industry is is uh, is what we uh, yeah call uh, like like big, big industrial companies who have uh, a high need for uh, energy uh, and thus the problems with emissions as well. So so did I hear that right, uh, Rob? That you're primarily working like your largest industries in the greenhouse space. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think uh, I don't know if you've ever visited the Netherlands. But uh, there is a, a, a lot of greenhouses uh, here in, uh, in, 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 in the Netherlands, especially in the part where I live. Lisa, have you ever visited the Netherlands? I have been once. Uh, very short For a very short time frame, though, I was literally there for a couple of hours. I think I oh. landed and then I was driving to Germany after that. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, haven't you, really, you haven't really visited? I have not really it. seen it. No. If you fly in at night, you can see a lot of... Uh, uh, and lighted areas where you see the greenhouses being uh, lighted by by the 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 the, 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 the lights uh, to grow the growing okay. lights. How do you call them? And if you go to Amsterdam in certain areas, you see other unlighted areas. Red light. That's yeah. a, for, for a different different reason. I I just uh, my wife and I. My wife's also from from good Dutch stock, and uh, when we go to the Netherlands and and you know travel around, it, it, for us there's this sense of of coming home and and uh, it's a little bit uh, familiar, uh, Rob, to, to use perhaps a, a, an English Dutch word, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great. Uh, there, there's a great, real greenhouse. Do you do a lot of biogas too, Rob, as well? Uh, biogas is not so big in the Netherlands. 
Uh, biogas is, is very big in Germany, uh, but in Netherlands you, we have biogas plants, we have done them, uh, but most in the water treatment area. Mm. Okay. Uh, but, I, I, uh, I want to... I want to talk about emissions in terms of what emissions your product handles in a minute, but before we, uh, well, maybe as a start starting point to that, do you guys then do CO2 injection, Rob, as well into the greenhouses? Of course, yeah, huh. yeah, 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 yeah. CO2 uh, uh, injection is 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 a big topic here. Uh, uh, it is very important for growers to have uh, CO2 in their greenhouse, and they have multiple sources for that, and one of them being the CHP, of course, and that's yeah, basically the the. The, the design we make in, uh, integrates the SCR, the, the, the Codinox system, and then with that uh, we insert the uh, exhaust gases into the greenhouse. And uh, nowadays we are also developing new systems which take out the CO2 first and then have it rather pure and then insert it in the greenhouse. That's great. I, and, I love and I love this. Sorry, Lisa. I love the certainty of of Rob's answer to that question. Do you take <laughs> do you put the CO two in the greenhouse? Of course. Like it, it's just, I, I you, if you talk to a I think the North American greenhouse market, there's not that level of certainty yet. Of 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 course mm -hmm. we do that. But but in the mm -hmm. Netherlands, who is you know ten years ahead of us in in this regard, of course. So go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, I think we do it. We do it for twenty five years wow. already. Oh really? Oh yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it, it gives up to 40% more growth in your greenhouse. And 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 uh, the the Dutch market is is how do you call it is lean. Uh, everybody is competing with each other. So you have to work for low prices and be mm -hmm. successful. To be successful, you have to to go all the way, and you have to have this uh, CO2 uh, injection in your greenhouse. No, that's that's so interesting. So. Count. So let's talk about the CO2 piece in a second. But so from an overall emissions perspective, presumably you handle NOx, CO, and VOCs or volatile organic compounds, right? Is that right? That's what we do. But we also uh, have uh, other interesting emissions, and those are more rare. Uh, for example, uh, we have a, a lead melting company uh, with um, uh, a problem with mercury emissions. Oh. And we looked at that. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, the the patat industry, potatoes, uh, for for example for McDonald's and uh, the the big industries, mm. uh, they have uh, odor problems, and we have solutions to to solve those problems because uh, it's not only pollution, it is also odor, and it's also noise, and, and uh, yeah that brings interesting questions. We we recently got a, a request for quotation. We didn't get uh, further in that process, but it was from Shell. Very interesting. They are building a very big biodiesel plant in the Netherlands, mm. and this biodiesel plant is uh, making biodiesel out of uh, how do you call it waste uh, oil from uh, uh, patat baking uh, industry. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that smells. We can imagine that it smells. And and we were uh, asked to to to, uh, to design a solution for them because this is all designed uh, to fit. Uh, we designed a solution for them to to get rid of the of to prevent uh, an odor problem occurring. Okay. And those are interesting projects. Now, do you do you handle diesel particulate matter as well, Rob? Like, do you deal with diesel particulate filters for diesel applications as well? Yes, we do. Okay, and then and then let's talk a little bit about the CO2 piece. So, what what are you doing there? Are you taking the CO so so CO over the uh, across a catalyst? basically emits of course co2 are you taking that and putting that into the greenhouse are you have do you have to clean that up what does that look like 
the systems you see nowadays uh, use an, uh, an SCR uh, and an OxyCAD combined. And with that, uh, what you uh, de facto do is you have 100% uh, exhaust gases. You take out the impurities and process the rest into the greenhouse. So actually it's not CO2, we call it CO2, but it is, C, uh, it is purified exhaust gases without the, uh, the dangerous stuff which kills your crops. And that's what you emit in the greenhouse. And to a certain level, you raise the CO2 level in the greenhouse. You cannot raise it too much because otherwise people get killed. Eh? CO2 is also poisonous if you have right. the high, uh, high, high extent. But that's what you do nowadays. And, and what I was mentioning uh, earlier is that we have also a solution where you take out CO2 of an exhaust gas stream. And that's where you, yeah, how do you, you, you take it out. You, you dissolve it in an amine. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that, you, you take it out of the amine again, and then you have pure CO2. But also, we have been working in the past on projects uh, for breweries where we uh, receive the CO2 from the ferment fermenting process uh, and have that purified to food quality. Mm -hmm. I acquired a company in, in uh, some 10 years ago with uh, IP. Uh, that was my first client when I started my mechanical engineering company in the, in the 90s. And this company uh, developed a, a purification system for this uh, CO2. So this knowledge is also yeah, adding up to our, our portfolio, uh, to our uh, products. Uh, we built, at that time, we built gas scrubbing installations. We built uh, uh, odor filters and so on. And this knowledge is now used for other purposes. That's great. Um, we'll maybe give uh, Dan a little bit of an opportunity to chime in here now. So I understand you guys opened up a U.S.-based office, and I think, Dan, you're obviously sitting in that, well, maybe not at the exact moment sitting in that office, but uh, I think it was, what, January that you opened it up? And, and maybe you can talk about why you decided to uh, branch out into the U.S. Well, since 2015, as Rob mentioned before, Ray has addressed the North American market on a, a semi uh, permanent basis with different projects, especially in the greenhouse uh, sector. But to have a local presence was always the goal of Array Industries uh, uh, since that time. And this year, it proved to be the right timing for addressing North American projects uh, that are coming uh, to fruition and also to expand our footprint on a more global basis. And because of the activity levels that we have seen increase for combined heat and power uh, projects, especially the greenhouse market, uh, both in uh, Canada and in the U.S. now, uh, with a plethora of not only fresh produce greenhouse activity, but also the commercial cannabis market. Uh, we've seen a, a, a lot of inquiries come in and serious proposals being sent back out uh, to various developers, uh, engine OEMs, and distributor channel uh, networking. So we feel it uh, key to have representation in North America with the eventual goal of having uh, manufacturing uh, here in North America as, as the end game. Uh, because local presence uh, with manufacturing reduces lead, uh, lead time on projects and builds confidence in uh, the solutions for the, for the uh, clients that want to utilize our technology. So how, do, how does the business model work in the US? Are you, um, are you doing aftermarket stuff? Are you working for the dealers? Like, are you 
it, where's the where's the fabrication happening? Walk us through the business model. Well, the uh, the model as it stands now is we're reaching out to various uh, OEM uh, direct sales entities and distributor channel, but also looking to influence at the engineering or specific specification level at the start of a project so that we're uh, the base design. So we're looking at all levels of, of the market. So as we build our, our portfolio of sales projects, uh, once we attain, attain a certain level, then we will move uh, to look at uh, serious uh, fabrication here in North America because there are certain um, requirements in projects that uh, require um, North American content. Mm. Uh, but uh, for the time being, our manufacturing uh, will be supported from uh, uh, the home office near Rotterdam and then uh, shipping over uh, containerized splits or full containerized CHP uh, solutions to be uh, outfitted and, and placed uh, at the job site. And mm. so, so, Dan, that, that uh, effort to get out in front of projects, it's particularly around your kind of emissions control strategies and products? Uh, it's the emissions control strategies, but it's it's what Rob mentioned before as far as our balance of plant. We look at the uh, from the turbo to the end of the exhaust stack as balance of plant, and that could be could be a combination of noise control, uh, pollution control, heat uh, recovery or heat control, and then uh, uh, how the the uh, exhaust system actually operates. As a, as a complete system, rather than just piecing together components from various manufacturers and expecting it to work. We look at the entire solution as an entity that has to, to work in, in conjunction with the engine so that the owner uh, doesn't have any issues long-term uh, because they may be looking for just one emission component to have control we look at all the aspects of the project and work with the engineers to design uh, the, the right solution uh, for the application. And what I found in my, in my experience is that no two combined heat and power applications are exactly the same. They may have the same engine OEM, they may have the same intent, but the operational conditions may be different, the site may be different, configuration, space available, and especially when it comes to retrofitting a ground field uh, CHP, that's where a lot of challenges come in to fit uh, new equipment or replacement or adding to the, the balance of plant scope uh, has its uh, own unique challenges. And Array is fully capable of handling those uh, challenges and is very innovative in the solutions that they choose. When we talk about... Uh you know, turbo turbo outlet to exhaust stack outlet. How much of that process are you guys involved with? Like, do you do the engineering? Are you manufacturing the emissions control system? You're constructing or manufacturing, it sounds like, based on obviously other parts of the, uh, or what you mentioned earlier. Do you install it as well? Like what, how, where do you start and where do you stop in that process from, from turbo outlet to exhaust stack outlet, either Dan or Rob? Uh, I will start to st to say that it is not only the exhaust gas system, but it is also uh, the emission, the noise control. So we 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 built the complete uh, balance of plant for a CHP, uh, 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 consisting of an oil system, a urea system, uh, hot water pi uh, piping, uh, 
uh, water system, uh, cooling systems, uh, acoustical enclosure, that can also be part of our scope. And although we have been uh, working on the exhaust gas system a lot in the past, we have also delivered to, to, to Russia and to other countries the complete balance of, of scope, uh, skid-based or uh, shipped uh, as, uh, in, in containers and uh, to be able to, uh, to install at, at, at the site without the skid. And and do you do your own engineering then in house, Rob? Yeah. Like you do your own yeah. manufacturing, so you do yeah. your engineering. We, we do own. We we have uh, a sort of a vision on that. Uh, we have uh, all the engineers in house, all the disciplines mm -hmm. uh, represented, uh, and we manufacture that as well in our house. And and uh, that's of of course an interesting thought in in a high wage country as we are yeah, in the Netherlands. Western Europe is a high wage country. Um, we have uh, focused on automation. Uh, in our production. Uh, so we have very uh, 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 automated machines like uh, uh, a, a big laser cutter, uh, robotized uh, welding machines and so on. So the, the process is, is built in a way that the products are built in a way that the, that the quality is guaranteed and that the, the, the influence of, of, of the wages is as low as possible by automation. Hmm. So what, what are key pieces of equipment that you're typically using then when you're manufacturing uh, these systems, Rob? Uh, a, a laser cutting as a, as a start. Mm -hmm. uh, from the laser cutting, we have this uh, press breaking. Uh, a lot of uh, machines, uh, a lot of parts are, are manufactured by, by means of, of a cutted piece of pl uh, plate and press break to a form so that you have uh, your structure strong enough. Uh, and after that, uh, it, uh, the robot uh, welding machine finishes the product so that it is of constant quality. Wow, that's great. And and what about the installation? Do you guys do that in the field as well? Or do you hire somebody to do that? Or how does that uh, piece work? In, in Europe, we have our own installation teams uh, operating. Uh, and we are allowed to work in, in Europe and in, in, uh, in, in every country. But, but when we go to Russia, we are not allowed to work with our team. Or when we go to the United States or, or Canada, it is not so easy. Then we send in a supervisor, guide the client. We are very uh, focused on, on helping the client to have yeah, to, to install our products in a in a proper way so that he can make uh, money of it. Uh, that it, it, it's it's easy to install, but you have to know how to do it, and we tell him how to do it. So. Um Rob, you know, you've clearly been a visionary in this space around our shop. Uh, we, we look at you as somebody who's kind of seeing around corners and seeing what's coming next. What, let, let's shift kind of our eyes to the future. Where do you see, you know, what's next for Array? What, what's coming down the pipe? What exciting things that you can tell us about are, are you working on? Give us a glimpse into the future for, for your team. Um, I think... Uh, uh, the glimp to the future is for us is to stay connected with research companies. Uh, we have been involved in uh, involved in European projects. Uh, the European Community supports uh, projects uh, of uh, yeah, of interest in in, uh, in fields of interest, and and uh, you can uh, make a cons uh, form a, a consortium together with research companies and uh, uh, universities. Uh, where the, the research company or the university comes up with something new, like, for example, the Fresme project we have been doing. Uh, mm. In that project, we have uh, a steel mill uh, producing uh, uh, always a lot of CO2. It's, that's a fact. You know that when you produce steel, you, you produce a lot of CO2 and a lot of hydrogen. Uh, we uh, captured those uh, streams of 
uh, exhaust gases. Uh, and we have uh, made a, a, a project on demonstration scale uh, where we collect the, the, the those streams. Uh, our role in this in this was to to polish, to purify the exhaust gas stream. So we built a CO2 skit and an H2 skit. After uh, after our uh, uh, contribution, it was transformed to methanol in a methanol reactor. Hmm. And, and I think when you uh, connect to those universities, and, and we are happy that they are searching for us. Eh? We Meanwhile, they know us, but they have discovered that we can play a role in uh, changing a project from lab scale to demonstration scale. And that is our thing that we are. We, we really help them with that. And uh, yeah, then then they come they come back with new questions and we are with them at the frontier of knowledge. I always call it. And, and so that 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 project you talked about. So, so really we're talking about carbon capture, right? I mean, there's no there's no internal combustion engine. It's it's an existing industrial process, and we're talking about carbon capture from that. That's specifically that's what we're talking Correct. about. Right? Correct. You have you have two two ways in that. You have CCS and CCU, uh, carbon capture storage, and then the next level is carbon capture and utilization. And this project, this Fresme project, is about utilization. So it is indeed an existing stream of of CO2 and an existing stream of N2. Which is being utilized to make methanol of, and that's very interesting, of course. Wow! <clears throat> and, and so, uh, let's unpack that a bit further, because here in Canada, we just launched a new federal budget, um, long time coming, and the federal government has put a significant emphasis on you know, green energy, green technology, to the point where there's some pretty specific callouts in terms of tax credits and. Uh, you know, incentive funds for carbon capture. Rob, what what do you see in terms of, you know, that? Because I think it's been talked about for a while as a technology, particularly on large scale utility plants, at least here in North America. And it has a bit of a bad rap, I think, in some regards, because it was such big technology and it, and it, and it struggled to work well. You're targeting, I think, smaller executions. What... Um, you know, what do you you know is 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 it kind of a timing thing and the time is now the technology is there the what's your view of of that smaller scale carbon capture market is it is it a real thing is it coming down the pipe talk to us about that um i was involved in i, I became involved in, in in carbon capture ccs uh some 10 years ago we worked together with with the tno which is a big research company in the netherlands and they had uh, developed something which we uh, tried to adapt but uh, then the crisis came and uh, nobody was interested in CO2 capture anymore. Uh, mm. I think nowadays what, what is happening in, in Canada indeed is that they are being uh, fined if they emit a CO2 in a, in a, in a high uh, uh, amounts and then there will be some interest. But I think the missing link is always the U. Mm. Mm. And we, can, uh, we are able to, to capture the CO2 uh, but someone has to find a, a proper way to utilize it. And, and, and when it was CCS, we were the guys who could do CCS with the storage. It's all very different. And you need to be a, a, geograph uh, a, a geographic uh, guy who knows about uh, wells where you can uh, put the mm -hmm. CO2 in, 
high pressure pumps and so on. That's a different topic. That's that's not our topic. Uh, we are into CC, but uh, the still and nowadays still the problem is who is doing the utilizing the utilization, mm. and that's the interesting part of, for example, this this uh, Fresno project because there you have this utilization. Mm. Uh, just a separate question, maybe for Dan. So Dan, you're you're obviously located in the U.S. from a geographical standpoint, a little closer to uh, to you know our offices here in uh, Ontario, Canada, yes, and Calgary, Alberta. I guess you could say as well. Um, but what are you seeing, like you know, from from your vantage point? Are you equipping engines that are starting to run on renewable fuels, like renewable natural gas or biogas or hydrogen? Are you seeing that yet, or is it still fossil fuel-based applications you're outfitting? I'm I'm just curious to see, you know, what you guys are running into, um, you know, as as the energy transition is starting to, we'll call it, take place quite rapidly here in North America. Yeah, currently, uh, most of the engines that we are dealing with are running on on fossil fuel or or uh, pipeline natural gas. Uh, the renewable natural gas, uh, because the money that is uh, being a revenue stream from that uh, is for injecting back into the uh, pipeline system. And they get more money uh, for that than being able mm. to use that fuel for power generation. Because the uh, traditionally utility companies do not want to pay for uh, utility production other than their own. And they do not give very high prices for that. So the renewable natural gas market is for reinjection into uh, the gas pipeline stream. So we see actually applications that we have quoted for where the generation assets at renewable natural gas facilities are operating on pipeline gas to produce electricity for the process and also the heat recovery uh, that's used in the RNG uh, process. And it uh, seems to be very profitable uh, for the uh, clients that are, are utilizing it. Uh, we have yet to see the transition start for those fossil fuel engines in other CHP applications be utilized with hydrogen or a blend of hydrogen fuel. Uh, the test cases are, are going on now and, the, and the, where they're proving out uh, blended fuel uh, as well as 100% uh, hydrogen, but they're still in the feasibility stages and, and test phases. Uh, as far as the combining power market with recip engines there may there will certainly be a, tr a trend to move towards uh, a blended fuel mm -hmm. but there still will be the need for pollution control on those engines uh, because as even as the hydrogen market becomes more mature there will still be blending uh, going on uh, for some time in the future so there will still be the pollution control methods uh, that need to be employed for those applications uh, mm -hmm both in the short term and long term. Uh, and also, uh, even if they go 100% hydrogen, uh, some research indicates that there'll still be uh, the need for some pollution control. Mm -hmm. So we see a, a very robust uh, CHP potential market for the solutions that Array is, is offering. And traditionally, the greenhouse market, which has been our, our largest market agriculturally, they will uh, see natural gas as the primary fuel. Uh, simply because it's stable, it's reliable, and uh, the way that they structure the greenhouse uh, on the commercial basis, they're very well embracing uh, that uh, particular fossil fuel. 
Hmm. Rob, what's the uh, hydrogen market like or the hydrogen discussion uh, in in uh, in Western Europe? Are you seeing it a lot? Is it is it a lot of noise? What's your view on hydrogen? There's no, not, not so much noise around this topic uh, yet in the Netherlands. We see uh, we have, uh, I believe, uh, seven uh, hydrogen tank stations for, uh, for for normal cars. It's, it's, uh, I, I was expecting more of that when uh, uh, when we entered the CO2 market. We also tried to enter the H2 market, but there's not so much going on here. Hmm. Really, it's it's amazing the differences, eh, Matt? Like, uh, Matt and I always joke, Rob, that uh, you know we can't get into a podcast like five or ten minutes before hearing the word hydrogen, because in Canada, especially, it's we have two two hydrogen projects in the house, possibly a third one coming, um, and it's yeah, it's it's a it's a big news story for us here. It's part of our federal budget as well. Um, so it's just interesting how, you know, all of our other guests, we hear hydrogen very, uh, very soon after they, uh, they get on the podcast and Rob's like, no, there's not much going on there. No, no, no. It's, it's wind energy and solar energy. That's what we see a lot. What uh, about in the other topic that comes up a lot in, particularly in Ontario and in other, other, uh, jurisdictions like California and New York is this notion of electrification and driving towards, you know, moving everything to, you know, electricity, including heating, including that kind of stuff. Do you see that, Rob, in the, in the Netherlands, this, this massive push for electrification? No, 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 you see a lot of electrical cars, yes. especially when you compare it to, to Canada. I often visit Canada and uh, North America. Uh, you see lots of electrical cars in the Netherlands, and, and that's uh, being fed by this uh, uh, wind energy uh, uh, and, and solar energy. That's the thought we have here, but we, uh, you and I know that uh, the grid, the electrical grid is not uh, large enough to, to, to allow a, a change towards electrical in a, a, an electrical world in, in, in the Netherlands. It is uh, you need the gas pipelines <clears throat> to bring the energy to to the homes and to the to the industries, especially. I think, mm -hmm. uh, especially when when you look at the 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 unbalance of the net mm -hmm. uh, caused by this wind energy and solar energy, there is a position for CHP. You don't see. Uh, uh, less engines being sold every year, in, also in the Netherlands where we have mm. sort of engines already engines already installed. It comes back every year. Really, wow. that's yeah. encouraging. Cool. What has it been like for for you, Rob, as you run a business uh, during COVID, as you try to you know continue to manufacture and continue to sell? Uh, and continue to do that all all in a global pandemic. Uh, wh what has that been like, and and what are some things you're learning? Well, uh, uh, it is interesting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to stay alert because what you see is, for instance, what 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 uh, uh, something happening in the Suez Canal uh, brings to us. Uh, all of a sudden, the prices for transport are way higher because of that phenomena. Because all the containers are stuck on those boats, waiting to pass the Suez Canal, which happened uh, a month ago or something like that. And and you see uh, how a small thing can be of of of, of influence on your business. 
uh, what we've seen in the beginning it was that the big com companies, the big industries, they were holding their breath. They were waiting what was what is going to happen. And yeah, I think that when everything is getting opened up again, uh, the, the 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 economies will will uh, be uh, yeah running very quickly uh, again. But uh, when you uh, yeah, see now, yeah, business has been slow, but it moved up, it went up. And what 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 our answer is uh, agility. Uh, mm. Pay attention to what is happening and make sure that you have uh, uh, the right product at the right place available. With our uh, machine park, we are able to manufacture a lot more. Uh, this robotized uh, welding machine, yeah, you can practically weld almost everything on it. Stay alert. And on the other hand, you see that when you really have a focus on emission control, emission control is a topic that will be a topic because uh, the the COVID pandemic uh, also brings a lot of talks about a green economy in the Netherlands for for, for sure. Hmm. And what about you, Dan? In terms of you know pounding the pavement and trying to you know cultivate you know projects and, and have you seen that you know speed up, slow down, be more difficult? What have you been struggling with or learning over the last year? Well, I think it's been uh, uh, mixed. It's uh, there has been, as Rob mentioned, uh, a, a, a slight slowdown in activity, but I, I believe this year it's actually started increasing as more companies are opening up and uh, allowing uh, travel, uh, not necessarily uh, where vendors are able to go in and see clients on a direct basis. Uh, so you have to be flexible and a little more creative or innovative in your methods of cultivating new opportunities and being very timely in the responses uh, mm. to get back, because you don't have, you can't. Uh, the old way of doing business is really gone. You have to be innovative, flexible, and responsive to cultivate the relationship and build that rapport and trust with clients. Uh, much more so now, uh, because you don't have that face-to-face -face interaction like we mm -hmm. have been used to uh, in years past. So I, moving forward, I, I think the opportunities are there. It's making sure that you identify and gain the trust of the, of the clients uh, mm -hmm. and build the relationship and keep it intact. Um, it, it, it takes a lot more energy uh, than it did before because you're, you're communicating like we are today uh, remote. Uh, so you have to be more effective. Matt, interestingly enough, um before uh, we started the podcast and before you, you joined the uh, discussion here, Rob was telling me that they've actually remained open, including their offices, the entire time through COVID. So, you know, the challenges around, um, you know, culture and collaboration, I mean, that doesn't seem to have hurt, you know, Rob at all um, or their group at all. So that was quite interesting considering what, you know, most companies here in Canada have had to go through. Yep. Yeah, that that's quite something. So, so the regulations have not shut you down, Rob, where you are. No, not in that way. No, uh, our workshop uh, was able to stay open because you cannot ask uh, our uh, workshop people, uh, can you take a welding machine back home and weld uh, from home? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. Uh, and 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 yeah, we we just moved to another comp to another building, uh, the adjacent building, which is a uh, 
two times as big as the old one. And uh, now we have a lot of space around us. So we are, we, we are able to meet this one and a half meter uh, economy uh, very easy. And uh, then it is better to, to be here, I think. And although some colleagues uh, uh, prefer to work from home and they are free to do so. Uh, okay. Most of them said, okay, uh, I'd rather come here. It's uh, better for the context, better for the work. Uh, uh, yeah, mm. for, for, for the, the, the comfort at work, how do you call it? And uh, yeah. Very good. Well, as we kind of land the plane here, I want to give both of you a chance to uh, kind of get any additional thoughts in. Dan, I'll, I'll start with you. Any any Anything else we haven't talked about, haven't covered around this topic, you want to make sure our listeners hear? Well, just that uh, from our perspective, uh, combined heat and power uh, is going to be a relevant uh, topic uh, and uh, solution for uh, distributed power generation and increasing efficiency uh, throughout uh, North America. And we welcome the opportunity to uh, work with clients, uh, both uh, on the engineering side and also the project development and execution. Uh, because we bring a, a lot of uh, information, experience, and knowledge. Uh, because as move, unlike Western Europe, CHP has not has been not been readily embraced or utilized as effectively as Europe. So people are looking for experts uh, in the industry to assist. So we're more than happy to provide uh, that role uh, and fill the gap. Awesome. And Rob, you get the final word. Uh, any any parting thoughts, parting shots for us? No, I think that Dan already said everything uh, what is to be said, and I, uh, I conclude with it. I, I uh, agree with what he says. Awesome. Well, thank you both for joining us today for yeah, our Energy thank Radio. You very much, guys. It was uh, it was fun. Uh, I've I've learned some things. Uh, I'm excited about you know what you folks are doing in terms of. You know that whole uh, carbon capture space and the emissions uh, control space, and and I love how Rob defines emissions more than just you know air, but it's noise, it's uh, odor, and then it's you know the balance of plant. I love those kind of four aspects of it, and uh, really excited to hear you know some of the partnerships you guys are working on with uh, some universities and really being on the cutting edge of stuff. So certainly for us here uh, in, at CEM, we love to kind of stay close to what you guys are doing and. Um, you know, just to keep tabs on, on what's coming down the down the pipe and, and what exciting things are, are happening. So thank you again both for carving out time. And uh, Rob, will uh, I'm sure there's a, a cold Grolsch uh, uh, waiting for you in the fridge at home. So it's, it's uh, time for you to finish your week. And, and uh, so thank you both for joining us. It was a real pleasure to have you on yeah. today. Thank you very thank much, you guys. Hope to see thank you soon you. in life again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, look for look forward to seeing you again at PowerGen. Uh, we're bumping into you in the hallways of PowerGen. And uh, yeah, yeah. Lisa, thank you as always. I know this is uh, emissions control is uh, your first love, and uh, so it's fun to hear you. You know, ask uh, some great questions. So thank you for putting this together. And uh, Mark uh, Charbonneau, our man behind the glass, as we say in the radio industry, uh, making us look and sound good. Mark, thank you. And to our listeners, uh, thank you. As always, if you have feedback, if you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send me an email, matt at cemeng.ca. We'd love to hear from you. This was episode 40, episode 54 with Rob and Dan from Array Industries. Until next time, uh, stay safe and have fun. Thank you both. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Great Thanks. to see Bye-bye. you again. Have a great afternoon. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.